Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the House Divided podcast. This is going to be a rather big episode with the amount of news, so we're going to get right into it. But first, I want to remind all of you to rate us, subscribe to the to the show, and really just tell your friends if they're talking about wanting to hear a Michigan, Michigan State type pod. We have a really interesting dynamic, I feel here, and so make sure you're telling everybody about us if you've agree with my sentiment but otherwise we have a big week that we had and a big week going forward jeremy so let's just get into it yeah i mean i assume you're talking about red wings versus sabers right nhl prime time on a when on a thursday night yeah that is absolutely insane that that game is on but (laughs) and normally i'd love to wax poetic about two of the worst teams in the nhl being on national TV for some reason in mid-February. But we really do have to move on. Jeremy, I know you're in denial, and that's why you're pushing this off, but uh, Mark D'Antonio retired. Yeah. Um, Man, just to take you through my my Tuesday was a little weird. Um, You know, I belong to like a group me group of uh, some of the MSU Twitter folks who – like to have a little bit of a space away from maybe the uh, other parts of our fan base where we can kind of talk. And uh, someone popped in um, and said, oh, Ant Wright is definitely trolling us again, right? And uh, so, of course, that meant that I had to jump to Ant's Twitter page and see his D'Antonio tweet. And that, that was my first reaction was like, you know, Ant has some fun uh, sometimes doing the eyes emoji and uh, he likes to read the message boards and come out with whatever crazy things on the message boards. Um, and then as a rival subscriber, I jumped on to rivals and uh, it started to pick up steam within about 10 minutes after me being there. And within 20 minutes of that, the uh, D'Antonio tweet came out. So uh, pretty shocking that I think if you would have told me in December that he was retiring, I wouldn't have been shocked. But uh, once we got past the bowl game and got past a lot of like mile markers of when you would retire, uh, it was pretty weird to have it come out last minute, I guess. So, uh, so I mean, I guess uh, from your perspective, uh, what, what was your uh, your Tuesday like? Yeah, it was really crazy because I, I hopped on and saw a bunch of people that I follow from MSU Twitter talking about just – I saw a couple like cryptic tweets talking about like, oh man, is this really happening? Uh, I think I saw Noah Isaac tweet out like, I'll be our coach. And I was like, what the heck is he talking about? And then I I texted you actually. And you told me D'Antonio was retiring and not 30 seconds later, I scroll up and saw the tweet. Um, And so I was shocked, you know, and similar to you, if this news would have came out late December early January, I would have been like, yeah, you know, that's, I I get it. Um, So seeing it on February 4th was really interesting. Uh, And, you know, it makes sense. And a lot of people I saw were ragging on D'Antonio for taking four and a half million dollars for being the coach on January 15th and then retiring after. Uh, I'm not going to rag on him. I think that's what he should have done. You know, let's not act like money 
is still not a thing. He has grandkids, I think. If he doesn't already have grandkids, I think he has one on the way. He has children. There's no reason he shouldn't have, if he could have gotten $4.5 million, done that. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it, yeah. it was just a whirlwind of emotions. Um, yeah. a, a varying from, man, I can't believe he's really gone. Like, I started following college football really in-depth the year that he took over Michigan State. So this will be my first time uh, watching a Michigan State football team without Mark D'Antonio all the way to ha ha ha. His last loss at Michigan State was a 44 to 10 loss to Michigan. So, I mean, there, there's uh, lots of yeah. emotions. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there was a lot of chance for our rivals to get their shots up. So I appreciate uh, them taking the shots when they got them. Um, yeah, I mean, the $4.3 million thing was kind of just – I mean, that's just a rivalry fodder thing to take your shot at. I mean, if that was what he wanted, he could have retired January 16th. I don't think uh, that was the plan. Yeah. I think in between in between January 15th and when he retired, he found out that his daughter was pregnant. So whether that was the entire reason or that was just like the straw that broke the camel's back of of deciding to retire – um, hard to know. Uh, you know, I'll be, I'll fully admit my bias here and say that after his press conference, I believed his story about, um, especially because it does fit the timing that he started to go into schools and really start to recruit for 2021. And he just kind of, as you know, in the job that I do advising, I see this cycle. It's just, uh, there's no good time to retire. Like, I know we can pull him, give him crap because he retired the day before signing day. He retires on a day that some allegations of some NCAA violations possibly from a, from a jilted ex-employee come out. And it looks really bad. There's no way to hide those optics. But at the end of the day, there's no time now that you're not recruiting somebody as a football coach. So That's true. Right now, uh, you know what? There were there were other options, but I am so much gladder. I'm so much happier that he retired Tuesday than Thursday. Um, we have one player who has not signed his national letter of intent, and he was given that chance uh, to know the day before he was supposed to sign. So, so that's nice. Um, and on top of that, but you know we have no 2021 commitments yet. So now every kid who commits to MSU moving forward will be committing to the coach that's brand new. So uh, there's just Ooh, not a good time to do it. I, I think I think he could have done it going into the bowl game. That would have been ideal. I think that would be a better time. But at the same time, I, I think I prefer this to then, you know, Bob Stoops retires in July. Uh, if the Mark Antonio did that, not only does it, hurt the guys playing here next season, but we probably have some 2021 commitments by then. Um, who have plenty of time to change, but that that's still a concern. Uh, you know, so, so I think uh, it wasn't the best timing, but I, for all that he's given me in my life, I think it's, I'm not going to take the shot of when he retires. You know, it, it doesn't really change my life. I feel bad for the kids. I hope if any MSU commitment wants to uh, be let out of their national and intent that we do that and we honor that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you know, 
he made my Tuesday a little interesting, but uh, I don't think as an MSU fan we can uh, can be too upset about the timing or we weren't given some some uh, special send off from him. Yeah, and uh, I knew we didn't have the podcast at the time when it happened, but uh, you're basically echoing my sentiments when John Beeline left to go to the Cavaliers, uh, which was shockingly similar. Obviously, they're not the same mm-hmm. situation, but there are a lot of parallels how it just happened a couple of months after the normal, yeah, I guess a quote normal uh, coaching carousel season happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, we're, we're going to move into the talk of who Michigan State gets as their next head coach in a minute. But, you know, if John Beeline would have left in late March, early April, Michigan might not have hired Juwan Howard. And obviously this season is – it is what it is. But looking at his recruiting, I'm very happy about hiring Juwan Howard. Maybe we'll have a, sil- a similar situation uh, over on this side of things. Is there anything else? Uh, what, what's your what's your favorite D'Antonio memory? I know you guys have so many, and he had as much as Michigan fans like the troll and downplay the D'Antonio era and say it only happened when we were down, blah, blah, blah. There's so many accomplishments to speak for uh, over his era at Michigan State. But what, what's your favorite D'Antonio moment? Uh, so, I mean, I, I've always probably compartmentalized my D'Antonio moments, so I'll probably give you more than one, to be honest. Um, I think if you go by game, my, my favorite and D'Antonio game has to be uh, the Big Ten Championship beating the Urban Meyer Ohio State team. Uh, just because even with Michigan being down at that point and everything, that was an amazing Urban Meyer team. Uh, and it was just like a special season. You go from uh, second or third game of the season, that frustrating loss to Notre Dame where, like, let's not forget, Connor Tug got pulled for a fourth, fourth quarter two-minute drive series. Uh, and by the end of that season, Connor Tug is pissing off Ohio State fans by not giving Archie Griffin a blowjob, I guess, uh, on a stage. And he still hasn't uh, overcome that curse. You can make fun of that all you want, but he uh he just lost the starting job on his XFL team. <laughs> still has not overcome the Archie curse. I, I don't care. I'm not gonna give Archie Griffin anything. We don't have to like Ohio State on this podcast, Brendan. I, well worth the curse. I I don't care that Connor Tech never had a pro career. He got to do that to Archie Griffin and that made it worth it for me. Um that's probably my favorite game. If I had to pick a favorite moment, you know, I, I actually I'm going to kind of piggyback an answer. Um, I'll bookend it with two. Uh, one being uh, the moment, and this was mentioned on the Can't Read, Can't Write podcast, some of my friends over there, but uh, his first year, uh, he was doing a pregame on the field interview in a game uh, where MSU was playing Notre Dame. And the sideline reporter asked him, you know, Typical question, like, what do you guys have to worry about Notre Dame? Are you worried about this? And his answer was, uh, we don't care about Notre Dame. We care about us. Go green. And walked away. Um, and for an MSU fan, it sounds funny now because we know how crotchety he is and you know the whole Antonio personality. But that spoke to us in so many ways. <laughs> we had never – we had had multiple coaches that just – you know, we just came off of John L – trying to downplay the rivalry with Michigan and kind of play like 
you know, right into the little brother scenario of why would we fight Michigan? They're the big boys. We don't need to be ornery. Let's just be quiet and be ourselves. To to have him do that, and it wasn't the Michigan game. It was before the Mike Hart thing happened. This is all before that. Uh, that was a moment that I always remember uh, loving. And then I think I'm going to bookend it with on the press conference on Tuesday. Um, again, you know, he's not the most lovable guy in a press conference, but when they asked him, uh, who's going to want this job or do you think it's a desirable job? He cut the reporter off and said, people will run for this job. They'll crawl to this job. He may not be right. It might actually be hard to fill, but you know what? The guy busted his ass for 13 years to build this school into what he thinks is a really desirable job. And I think he earned the cockiness to say that. And I think he also, he spoke to us again, like that's the type of attitude MSU fans just want is they want someone that, doesn't play it humble just because we're we are in the shadow of a world-class university like university of michigan like we can give michigan its props but we don't need to act like we're nothing either so i think those are probably some of my favorite moments with a little bit of recency bias there gotcha yeah those are all good ones um i won't get into my favorite moments to be honest we could probably make an entire off-season episode out of this uh so let's just move forward and kind of talk about the future. So yesterday, it kind of felt at about 6 or 7 o'clock like we were just waiting on uh, the MSU Twitter account to tweet Luke Fickle as the head coach. And stuff slowed down a little bit on that today, uh, being Thursday. Obviously, I don't know when you're listening to this. By the time you are, Luke Fickle or somebody else might be the head coach of Michigan State. Uh, a lot of people have heard – uh, might be waiting for the weekend for an announcement because they're working out contract details. I've also heard that they're looking elsewhere in the interview process just to get other names in. Obviously, you know, as Michigan fans just went through a big coaching search a year ago, not even a full 12 months, just last May. Uh, there's a lot of interesting information that comes out that always isn't always true. Uh, so, So I guess we'll start with, um, who do you want? I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but who who do you want to be the next Michigan State football coach? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty easy answer. Uh, Luke Fickle's who I wanted. I made a point of watching a lot more Cincinnati football this year out of just just knowing D'Antonio's age and, and things and knowing that this could be coming up. So uh, he's certainly who's number one on, uh, on my list, I think. Uh, that is also echoed by the athletic department. That's number one on their list. Um, and I, to be honest, after that, I, I don't think I would be when you're when you're hiring a coach at this point in the cycle. I don't think I'm going to be too upset with uh, with really anyone or blame anyone who takes this job later in the in the process. But it would be kind of disappointing, really, to go down from a guy who I think fits on multiple levels to, uh, you know, there's probably, I could probably have a lot more issue with anyone else they get. So I'm hoping he's the guy and they, they can finish it off. Um, seems to me like right now the slowdown is not from an MSU perspective. It's prompt from a Luke Fickle perspective, just making sure that he's making the right decision. And I can't fault him on that. Uh, he's got a family to think about. He's got assistant coaches who rely on him and, uh, he's going to have to make a smart decision. So, um, you know, definitely seems like he's doing his due diligence and 
Uh, every fan's going to read into that and assume that that meant the sky is falling. But I think it's really just, uh, like you said, <laughs> the whole time you've been in the football, D'Antonio has been the coach. So it's been a while since MSU fans have had to undergo uh, coaching search in the two big sports. So I think their uh, lack of going through this in the internet, they're not internet age, but the Twitter age is kind of showing. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm glad you brought that up because Twitter – yeah, for all of us who have a good U uh, a good Michigan and Michigan State, uh, uh, both perspectives on our timelines, Twitter has been hilarious. Maybe less so with with you actually having to be the uh, the one with something on the line, but just seeing all the reactions to everything have been wonderful. I mean, it it is somewhat. Uh, unfortunate because uh, many people that I like kind of get into it with each other, but it's all in good spirit, I think. Um, yeah, so my perspective, I obviously would want Michigan State to hire the worst candidate possible. However, um, I don't think that's Luke Fickle. I don't think Luke Fickle is as special as you guys do. And I think that might that conversation again might come when there's less sports going on. And, you know, maybe even next week when we don't have um, Michigan, Michigan state basketball to talk about, but uh, I I would still be pretty impressed with the hire. It, It would be a solid one. And at first I really didn't, wasn't that impressed, but I read kind of more about his role in that 2011 Ohio State season he was the interim coach for and his role on Ohio State thereafter and what he's done at Cincinnati and it's pretty impressive and there are definitely people I'd rather see get hired before Luke Fickle so that's probably a good sign for you Spartans uh I I don't yeah and I think if if we're being honest too I think you know the number one complaint everyone had all season was uh, a lack of offensive creativity and a lack of uh, being current in the way of football offense. Luke Fickle is not that solve is not solving that problem. He's a defensive coach, uh, comes off the trestle tree, so things could be very similar. But I think from from an MSU's perspective, you just hope that being younger, he's more open to to assistants who run different offense. And at the end of the day the recruitment alone is going to take a step up from where it's been. Cause that was probably the most stale thing, uh, even worse than the offense. So uh, there's certainly issues, but yeah, I think again, we're, we're sitting in February going like, you know, Luke, Luke Fickle is who a lot of people would have wanted in October. And if you can get him in February, they're not going to complain. Yeah, that, that's very true. Um, if you're good, I'm ready to move on to basketball just because like I said, we have Do a it. full show and uh, once there is an official hire made, we will have a lot more coverage on that. But in the basketball world, obviously the uh, round two of the big game is on Saturday. We have uh, this time the Spartans traveling to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. But before we get into our preview of that, let's touch on what happened since we last talked. Uh, first, let's start with Michigan, who – earned a 69-63 to victory over Rutgers at Madison Square Garden and then came home on Tuesday to lose to Ohio State 61-58 to uh, in a game in which I was in attendance. 
and uh, left very angry. Um, <laughs> so I guess I want to start with the Rutgers game first before we get into Ohio State because that win was huge at the time. No matter what happened Tuesday, they needed that win over a top 30 team on a neutral site. It was good for confidence. Um, all the guys looked like they're having a blast. And honestly, like for the tournament resume, it's probably their best win since the Gonzaga win in November. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. Um, especially being that it wasn't a home game. So uh, it's still not a road game. It was a neutral site, just like the Gonzaga win. But uh, yeah, I think that's not outrageous at all to say that's for sure the best win since then. Yeah, I mean, just like the like you said, the fact that it was neutral site, Rutgers is a tourney lock, I think. They're in the top five or six of the Big Ten standings. So just to get that win felt really nice. Um, and obviously the story of that game outside of the result is uh, your favorite Michigan player, Brandon Johns, had an emergence, putting up 20 points uh, with five of – with 15 of those points coming on five three-pointers. Um, let me just find – I think he had some rebounds too. It was a really, really, really good performance. Definitely his best in a Michigan uniform so far. Yeah, that's – and I think the most exciting part is that he he has been pretty inconsistent with his uh, outside shooting. So uh, that has to be probably the best development that comes out of it. Um you know, full disclosure, I was in a uh, in a bar in a rink in Chelsea uh, doing some scouting. So, but there was TVs with the game on, so I was catching glances over uh, over to uh, the screen. But yeah, every time I looked up, it felt like the offense was almost running through Brandon Johns, which is not what we would have said a couple months ago. So that's kind of uh, kind of a crazy turn of events. And it's nice to have Xavier Simpson back too, right? Just having a a stabilizing force out there. Uh, the David to Julius experience did not go well in Nebraska. So, yeah, and and that that actually I think kind of goes back to I'm not sure this coaching staff trusts the Julius quite yet, um, which is a little bit infuri- infuriating. I know you're part of the Julius Marble fan club over on your side of things, but I uh, <laughs> I am a part of the David to Julius fan club. I don't know if it's because of his game when he's on is just so aesthetically pleasing, but uh, he is such a fun player, and I wish they'd give him more minutes. But he's also a point guard, and he's playing behind Xavier Simpson, who can average 39 minutes a night and never get tired and not have his play drop off. Um, but, but let's get this back to Brandon Johns, because his performance, like I said, was just crazy good. Uh you know, it's not just, it didn't look like one of those nights where, like, in Zion Williamson's NBA debut, where he's just hitting three after three and it doesn't look sustainable. Uh, he went, um, I'm looking, okay, it was four threes, I lied, but he went four of seven from three. That's a little over 50%, but his shooting form looks really nice. And, you know, he hasn't been one of the worst three point shooters on the team, and there's a lot of them. So it, that performance was so encouraging. And because I don't really have much to talk about left with this game, I'll use Brandon Johns as a uh, segue because after such an encouraging performance, 
against Rutgers, seeing what happened against Ohio State was really frustrating. Yeah, so we had uh, another night with dueling games going on uh, that night. So so what happened in the Aussie game, outside of all I saw was that, to, to your fans' credit, um, it sounded like from both angles, the refing was just awful in that game. But other than that, uh, it sounded pretty ugly, back to poor shooting again. Yeah, so both teams were shooting really poorly. Basically, everybody in the gym except for Caleb Wesson was uh, shooting very poorly. Um, very motivated Caleb Wesson because there was a hater in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, he showed me. Um, you know, he should have followed out. Yeah. But I, I will start Brandon Johns didn't do poorly, but this comes back to the refereeing. He fouled, I say fouled out, but he had his minutes cut significantly to foul trouble. He actually finished with an O rating of 170 with, uh, looks like eight points, uh, not many rebounds, but he was having a pretty good game offensively when he stayed out of foul trouble which was not very much. He only got, he got 38 minutes against Rutgers, only 25 against Ohio state, um, which comes back to the refereeing. We've been complaining about the refereeing in the big 10 all year long. Have we not? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. Been this was the worst times. Yeah. This was the worst ref game I had seen all year. It was, and I'm not even going to say, I think in the end, some of the refereeing certainly benefited Ohio State a little bit more than Michigan, but uh, it was just bad in general. Like, they were letting them play so physical in some aspects. Austin Davis got bumped out of bounds. Uh, Xavier Simpson actually took a kind of a shove out of bounds and fell down, and the referee just pointed the other way, saying he went out of bounds. Um, they were letting him play fo- so physical, but then in other aspects of the game, like some of the fouls, Franz got a block that looked like all ball, and if it wasn't, it was mostly ball, and they called something on that. It, there was one where, you know, no, I guess this would go back to just letting him play, but Colin Castleton went up for a rebound, just got completely shoved, and he did touch the ball out of the bounds, but I just don't understand how you don't call a foul on that one. Just lots of really weird stuff, and then for it to all come down at the end of the game uh, to that flagrant that was called on Xavier Simpson. Um, for those of you on the state side who didn't get to tune in, possibly, uh, or for Michigan fans who missed it. Uh, the- yeah, so the, the timing on this, I forget where we were at in the MSU game. Uh, I don't know if it was like part way through the second half, it was on a commercial break or not, but I came over to the refs reviewing the play. And so I never saw a video of what actually happened with the uh, fouls each way. Yeah. So it was 59 or it was like 58, 57 or 57, 56 or something along those lines. Ohio state was up by one and Xavier Simpson went down the lane with about 35 seconds left for a layup he gets fouled by kyle young on the down swing he you could say he did it to be dirty you could say he did it to catch himself it doesn't matter he did 
grab hold of Young's jersey on his way down mm-hmm. as he was going down uh, and actually ripped it. So, like, the people trying to dispute that are just wrong. That happened. I can't say the intentions, but regardless, uh, the referees mm-hmm. called a flagrant foul on him for pulling Young down at, you know, in a malicious manner. Um, and obviously called the initial foul on Young. So in a situation that would have went from Xavier shooting two to go up by a point, um, it went to he needs to make these two, and then we have to hope that Young misses his two and Ohio State gets the ball back. Uh, Fortunately, Xavier made both of his to go up 58 to 57, but it immediately went back the other way. and Kyle Young made both of his. Uh, obviously, Michigan had to foul. There was only a three-second difference, and they were down three, so they had to foul. Or no, they were down one, but they had to foul. And uh, I forgot who even took those final free throws, but they made both of them. Michigan gets an open look for Eli Brooks uh, as the clock is running out, and he misses it, and they lose by three. Well, so let's talk about that. What's your feelings on the end there? Because it sounds like there was much more uh, jammed together than maybe it was. That was a 16-second possession before yes. Eli Brooks put up the three. Do yes. you like that there? Do you like them to get up? And it would seem fully designed that way. It did not seem like they broke down, had to retry it, and that's what they came up with. They drew up a 15-second play. They They did. And while – I could say, you could say, yes, that is frustrating. And I definitely would not argue with somebody going that way. Um, I will say. It was an open look. A completely open open corner three in that situation is your best case scenario. Okay. Um, That's fair. Because I I was wondering if that was something that annoyed you after the game. Yeah, yeah. You're, You're down three points. So your best shot is getting to this to overtime. Um I wish it would have happened with a little bit more time on the clock so you can keep playing the foul game or try and get a rebound and kick it back out because, you know, it, yeah, even if you get the rebound there, you're not getting a three up. Exactly. You're so, one shot. Exactly. So you, it, it does come down to one shot. So that part of it is frustrating, but at the same time, and so if we're going to fault Juwan for this, we could fault him for the fact that they didn't foul right away after the whole free throw mm-hmm. debacle. They let about uh, 15 seconds go off the clock. So if you have a really beautiful play design that you want to get up there, you need to foul quicker because it took him to the end of the game. So there there is aspects to fault Juwan here. But, man, and maybe if this were a different game or this didn't come at this point in the season, I'd be there. But, like – at some point, you just got to be like, okay, he is giving them open looks all day in almost every game. At some point, you just got to be like, man, the guy's just got to hit the shot, you know? And, and I feel like that's what this game came down to, and I feel like it's a broken record type of season because, you know, Franz Wagner shooting under 30% from three. He was playing in a professional league last year from this with the same three-point line and shooting 35% over a bigger sample size. Um, Michigan is rated 308th, I think, in 
uh, Ken Palm's luck factor. It, it, this season has just been one long kick in the nuts. Yeah, they continue to get good looks, and it's just they there's something they're snake baiting on that. They are not making their open looks. I, I just highlight the Franz point because you could just say, oh, well, this team just doesn't have any shooters, and that's what it feels like right now watching every game. But, you know, their best shooter goes out with an injury. and But, but Franz Wagner is a shooter. He came in as – like a guy who was going to be a shooter. <laughs> like literally mm-hmm. his recruiting profile was, Hey, when you watch his highlights, just remember, he's not just a shooter. And so, so that's probably the most frustrating part of the, this whole thing. The guy behind me kept on calling Franz Wagner trash all game. And I was like, I was like, Nope, he's not. And maybe it does have something to do with coming off of a fractured wrist earlier in the year. But uh, that's true. Yeah, this has just been so frustrating. <laughs> you still feel like you're, I mean, not feel like, I think it's pretty safe to say you're still a tournament team, and I don't think anyone's going to love that draw. So That's true. Well, that's what knows, I was just but... talking about to my friend was um, this is a team where it, they've had a really bad run of luck. Um, they're missing their best shooter. And one of their best defenders, probably their only really good uh, wing defender. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't if, – if they can get in the tournament, if they can get a couple big wins, and we'll talk about this as we preview this Michigan-Michigan State game, um, they'll probably get in as an eight or nine seed. And if they make it into the second round, I would not want to be the one seed. And I'm not saying that to be cocky and think that Michigan would win. I'm just saying this team is the only team to beat Gonzaga. When they're on, I genuinely think they can beat anybody in the country. It it would just be a rough draw if you were a one to have to play this Michigan if Livers is back healthy in the second round. Totally agree. Absolutely. All right, but that's really all I have for the two Michigan games. Uh, It was also a rough week for Michigan State, uh, losing to Wisconsin by one point at the Troll Center, 64-63. And then the real shocker was the the home loss to Penn State, 75-70. I got to watch maybe the last five, ten minutes of the Wisconsin game and then was only able to listen to the end of the Penn State game on the radio because I was on my way home from Chrysler. So this is all you. Uh, what what happened? <laughs> I would say we might be pretty even on that Wisconsin time because, again, I was in the rink for that one. Uh, trying to catch up and just seeing what I could see, you know, what was going on. Um, once again, a slow start on the road. They get blitzed early, um, find a way to, to get it to around 10 at halftime, have their spurt to start the second half and make it close. Uh, but, you know, it seemed like Wisconsin was just having a – it was a combination of Wisconsin shooting above what we would expect, especially with Kobe Keane and Brad Davison out, uh, combined with Xavier Tillman having possibly his worst game uh, in his three years so far at MSU. Uh, missed multiple layups right at the rim. He makes half of those, they win the game. <laughs> um, so – I actually would kind of disagree with you. I think this is actually the worst loss compared to the Penn State game, only because of what Wisconsin was missing. 
you go into it thinking two starters are gone uh, on a team that is maybe an NCAA bubble team compared to a Penn State team who is solidly in the, the conference, and even though you're on the road, that should be a game that you can just out-athlete Wisconsin, and they got blown out in the first half. So, to me, that felt like the worst loss. Um, I do want to clarify, and- I did say more surprising lost. I did not say worse. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Be- because yeah. I, I would agree with you. I think it's close because uh, maybe not for the, like, resume – but just in the Big Ten standings, when you're chasing a Big Ten title, I do think it's close. And what was worse, because losing at home just feels like such a detriment to your league chances this year. Um, That's true. But I would Very agree true. Wisconsin's the worst loss. But just like a Saturday afternoon at the Troll Center, is that not the most predictable, stupid bullshit? Like the the one against Penn State, they were – that's a game where they're coming off of that stupid loss. It's at home where they've just been raining threes on people and just blowing people out of the gym. I, I thought that was more surprising, at least from my perspective. No, I think that's fair. Um, and I think I would agree with you until I saw that Penn State team, because I'll admit, first time I've seen them play all year, and that team's legit. It's more than just Lamar Stevens. Oh, yeah, they're uh, tough. They've got, they've got a full a full roster of guys. and. Uh, you know, I think the most frustrating thing coming out of that is actually pretty similar to the Michigan game in a couple of respects, uh, pretty for, poorly officiated. Again, I think you could say both ways, poorly officiated. I don't think that uh, by any means MSU got, you know, a larger percentage of the bad calls. I think it was just poorly done uh, both ways. And uh, similar to the Michigan game, MSU had a lot of good looks, but it just they were not making their shots. Yeah, uh, which is uh, which is a problem with Penn State because Penn State this year is one of the highest you know tempo teams in the league. If you're missing your shots, or even when you're making shots, they're kind of similar to MSU where they're going to get out and go. And MSU had 13 turnovers, leading to 21 Penn State points, and that's the difference in the game. Um, so you you really don't want to turn the ball over when you're playing a team that runs like Penn State is this year. Uh, that's just a killer. And and they were all over MSU and they were playing super quick. And the thing that I think I, I took out of the game, uh, you know, I, I fully admit that basketball is the one sport that out of the big three, I am the least, uh, least aware of strategy. And, and I can definitely never say I'm even close to a, uh, a Tom Izzo, of course, but, you know, listening to, uh, to analysis ahead of the game, mostly from the moving screen podcast. They talked a lot about Lamar Stevens and matching him with Aaron Henry, uh, probably the best defender Michigan State has outside of Rocket Watts, but you're not going to put a guard on Lamar Stevens. And all night they kept having Malik Hall on Lamar Stevens, and he just abused Malik Hall to the point where if I'm seeing that, I don't understand how the coaches weren't making adjustments. And that was, uh, you know, full credit to Lamar Stevens. He's a good player. He, he saw the matchup. He took advantage of it. But that was just the most frustrating thing to to know, you know, thanks to Brendan Quinn <laughs> telling me ahead of time to look for it. But for them not to, to get a better matchup on Lamar Stevens is, I sure hope that 
when we play the road game at Penn State, that is that's when that's fixed. Yeah, you'd hope so. Lamar, I just want to take a minute to say, like, how many guys in this conference are just straight-up dogs? Like, like just, like, they recognize when they have the mismatch and they're just going to go and hit tough shot after tough shot. Because I can think of, like, Lamar Stevens, uh, Ayo Desumu. Um, I know Luke. Like, I don't think of Luke Garza like that, kind of. But he, he has been one oh, of them. I can tell you, I saw it live. Otulu did the same thing to Malik Hall every time he got him. Yeah. Malik Hall or Marcus there's another Graham. one. He, uh, he absolutely went after it. Yeah, Otulu's the same way. Yeah, I mean, just like literally half of the teams in this league have a guy where are just going to look at you and be like, okay, I got this today. <laughs> and it, it's incredible to watch as a neutral, but, man, it's just tough doing that like day in and day out in this league this year. Um, But yeah, uh, the, the Penn state game, I heard the referees were absolutely atrocious in this one as well. And and so not surprised to hear you mention that at least a little bit. Um, And and I probably the most coaches were teched up in the first half. If that helps you. uh... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's for the first time a tech that I was happy Izzo did. And uh, it was well-deserved because it was after about three plays on each end of the court where uh, I felt MSU got a lack of a whistle. So, Yeah, it, it's it's really tough. I don't know how the Big Ten employs these people. But, uh, yeah, so a- anything else on this game uh, before we head into the preview, part part two? No, I say let's jump into uh, to the main event for this Saturday. All right, so, you know, I feel like all of us, our audience, I feel like the people that we know listen, uh, we interact with a lot on Twitter. If you listen and don't interact with us, please start. Um, but So I feel like we all know a lot about both of these teams and a lot about the way they match up with each other. And I'm usually more of an analytics over narrative type of guy, but this one's just too good not to talk about. I mean, does this not feel like a crossroad for both teams in just completely different ways? Uh, yeah, I think to some extent. I think it's all how you, how you enjoy the basketball season or how you view the basketball season. I think if, if you view it as MSU was the preseason number one, you talk about they're for sure the favorite to win the Big Ten. It is absolutely that way. Um, but I think really for myself, after probably, I wouldn't say maybe after the Purdue loss, but after the Indiana loss, it kind of became, you know what, work out whatever kinks they need to work out by March. I would love for them to win the regular season Big Ten title, but we've won those, you know, we've had those a few of those the last couple of years, and it didn't mean anything come March. <laughs> March is the yeah. first weekend in April. So, yeah. So I think I've started to take a longer view on the season, and I can say that now on Thursday. Uh, when you text me at 11.30 Saturday morning, I will be in full rivalry mode and not agree with this. And I'll say it to you, you dubbed this tape. So, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah but no, I think, I think you're right. Though. I think it's the crossroads. I think for it, – it's the funny part is it's only a crossroads, I think, because of the game's Wednesday. It, it really amped up. Oh, I completely not Wednesday, agree. rather, but – Tuesday night, 
we probably both thought we were going to go be coming off of home victories. I did. Feeling pretty yeah. good. And now uh, MSU's coming off of two losses, and Michigan's coming off of a pretty frustrating, for multiple reasons, uh, home loss to Ohio State. So I think that, that they couldn't that's have. playing into it a lot. Yeah, that was a home loss they could not have if they wanted to crawl um, out of the bottom four and avoid playing on Wednesday, the week of the Big Ten tournament. Um, no, so yeah, I view it as a crossroads because Michigan is four and seven in the league. You know, you have one of the league favorites coming into town who also happens to be your biggest rival in this sport. Uh, so that's huge. You know, you're sitting at five and seven sounds a lot better than four and eight to me. Uh, so we're, we're looking at that. And then for Michigan state, and I completely understand your perspective as a fan, uh, the big 10 regular season title, you're a little bit spoiled with them. So like, mm-hmm. let's not pretend that's not a thing. That's fair. Uh, yeah. and cause that is still very much something to focus on and celebrate. Um, and, but I completely understand your perspective cause they haven't meant, meant Jack when it comes to March. So in, well, not quite because a final four run also not something to scoff at, but still I completely get that perspective. You know, this is your last go around with Cassius. So you're sitting there, you're like, another Big Ten title would be great, but if I can only have one, give me that national title, you know? Um, Well, and for me, actually, that's – it's funny that you mentioned his name because, like, for me, the narrative is, you know, unlike last year where maybe it felt like we were definitely going to find each other again in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, it it feels like this is a very strong possibility. This is going to be our last. Xavier versus Cassius matchup. That's another and great point. Yeah. Not not to even bring light of the situation, but like we didn't even know that a couple weeks ago because we never knew what the story was. Is is Xavier's suspension going to be a real thing, or was it more serious than we thought? You know, glad that he's back on the court, but yeah, we didn't even know if we were going to get another one of these. And these have been for the last two seasons, and then if you count this year, three seasons some awesome one-on-one battles of local kids. And yeah. it's going to be kind of sad that, uh, you know, it'll still be a great rivalry next year, uh, but we won't have Xavier versus cash. And that's, uh, that's kind of sad. So I'm, I think that's my main thing. I'm going to be, you know, again, I'll be at the rink again. So I'll be DVRing it. I don't have the, uh, capacity like you, like we talked about today to avoid, uh, some of the results, but I think, you know, win or lose I might just have to keep it on the DVR for a while just to have that cash and cash and Xavier uh match up there because it's it's kind of sad to see this this could be the last one it really could be and I you know that's I'm really glad you raised that point because I hadn't even thought of that and that does get me a little sentimental because you know now I don't know if it used to feel like this but I feel like with having social media it's easier to get so much more immersed in these teams that we follow. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that in this day of college basketball, there's so many early departures. So it's just felt like these two schools have had these two rival point guards forever, like literally forever. And so the this fact would be that if we could get, if we could get Jordan Lewis versus Aaron Burbridge, but like seven times. Exactly. That is a great comparison. And so, yeah, so I, I'm really looking forward to their last battle. 
potentially last. They could meet in the Big Ten tournament. For God's sakes, they could meet in the NCAA tournament, which I <laughs> never want to see because of social media. Um, but still, uh, yeah, so it, it's pretty big. The, the stakes are high for both teams in their stories of the year in very different ways. So it, it's really going to be interesting. Um, let's just uh, – let's get through this real quick. Um, just a couple of big things. My first thing is how can Michigan improve on their last performance against MSU? Um, if, Cassius Hinst- if Cassius Winston could not hit every circus shot he takes, that would be helpful. Um, but more so, you just need Isaiah Livers back, man, because I feel like not only does he unlock things offensively and being the best shooter, as we referenced, uh, defensively against this type of lineup, I think Isaiah Livers really helps uh, just for having that wing depth. So I think those are big things. Uh, Xavier Simpson needs to take less shots, I think, in order for Michigan to be successful this go around. I think. Uh, you'll find that in a lot of games that Michigan loses, he's the one taking up a lot of the shot share more than he usually does when they win. So if they can get a lot of people not named Xavier Simpson, some good looks that will, that's another key to winning. And that's about it, man. Uh, You're an underdog. You're especially if you don't have livers, you're not having as talented a roster as they do, but if you can do some of the little things and hope that, our next point we're about to talk about, hope that Michigan State's road woes can keep up. Then you could walk out of here with a huge rivalry victory and some momentum heading into next week. Yeah, I totally agree with the X-Factors. Do we know what the, uh, what the chances are with Isaiah Livers? Are they pretty – I assume they're pretty tight-lipped about that. Yeah, same, they are. It's been the – Chances are the same they have been uh, for the last month and a half. It's day to day, and that's all we know. Like even before the before the Illinois game when he came back, it wasn't a thing where lots of insiders were talking about it the night leading up and the morning of. It just happened when he he came out to warm up and looked ready to go. And so that's going to be the thing to watch for at about ten thirty a.m. On Saturday is is Isaiah, is Isaiah Levers out there warming up with this team? Yeah, no, it'll be uh, an intriguing uh, part of like eleven a.m. Yeah, <laughs> on the uh, pregame warm up there. Yep. All right. Uh, the other one that I wanted you to talk about a little bit. Um, obviously, Michigan State has been better than Michigan has on the road, but it's still now that they've started to play some higher level teams. Obviously, the debacle at Purdue a month ago, but then going to Indiana and losing, going to Wisconsin and losing, the only road game they've really done well against a team with a pulse is that blowout against Minnesota. Um, so so how can Michigan State get over this? Uh, you know, I'm hoping, you know, and I would have hoped with any of these road starts, after they had, you know, one bad road start, two bad road start, even the Minnesota game to win, they were a slow start that night. They were just also fortunate that Minnesota had a slow start. You would think that there would be something that they focus in on. I don't know what it is between the ears or what can change uh, to get them a better start. But you would hope that in the rivalry game, a slow start is not the problem. <laughs> um, and I think to their benefit, 
unless Michigan plays to a different level than they've been playing. You know, if Michigan continues to shoot the ball the way they've been shooting, they're not going to be able to take advantage of a slow start because they're going to kind of have a struggle getting going as well, um, you know, early on. So, uh, so it's, it's taking advantage of the rivalry so that you don't have a slow start. Um, I don't know if it's maybe running the offense through Xavier Tillman at the beginning and just get some buckets, uh, see the ball go in a few times. Uh, but whatever they need to do to get that, that slow start out of their system is important. That's been the real killer in these road games because in every game but the Purdue game, they have had a run. This is not at the beginning of the game, but they've had a run where they close a deficit and, and make you think that you're going to win the game. Because at any point during the Indiana game and the Wisconsin game, uh, I fully thought they were going to finish off a comeback. So, um, you know, they just got to stay close with Michigan to begin the game and hope that, uh, you know, David Julius or Eli Brooks don't find their shooting touch all of a sudden. Or I think the guy to watch this game is honestly going to be Franz Wagner if Livers is out because uh, he feels like the most likely guy to just randomly, uh, you know, get bit by his brother and become the uh, villain. Yeah. Yeah, the Wagners do like going off against MSU, don't they? Well, Very at, true. Least, Very at least Mo true. did. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see Franz do so. Um, the last point on this game uh, I'd like to talk about is this is going to really suck for one of us. Uh, you know, it, I, that's how it feels for every rivalry game. And you know what? Even with, like, actually thinking about it, you probably won't be hurting too much with a road loss. Um, especially coming off winning four in a row. But uh, I still think it's going to hurt just because of that. It's Cassius Winston and Xavier Simpson's last guaranteed game against each other. So even if they get to play again, we won't know for over a month or two. Um, So there's that factor to it. Uh, I know Michigan State fans are not excited to lose that first one to Juwan Howard whenever that happens. Uh, and I, I think that'll affect it. So I think this might really hurt one of our fan bases. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good, again, uh, I think the most, the most fun part of being uh, working at the rink all day Saturday is not that I get to avoid the game. It's that I get to avoid Twitter because yep. uh, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> Yeah, it probably will be, especially uh, with the way that refereeing in the Big Ten has gone. I would not be surprised to see maybe Michigan finally, what feels like finally for us because of the way this year has gone, come out on the good side of some BS refereeing and get that win that way. Or you know, I feel like this game might have all the makings for a really stupid one that we're all we all look back on in a couple of years. Um, for sure, Saturday game at noon. Uh, the only way this could be better is if this was properly at, like, Sunday at 3. Sunday at 3 or, you know, at, like, the first week of March with a league title on, on the line. But, yeah, oh, it, it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to it Saturday. Um, I know I didn't put it in the notes, so you can hate me a little bit, but I didn't look at what Michigan and Michigan State's next game were before we record again because I knew Michigan's was Northwestern, and that doesn't really matter. But it's pretty pivotal. Michigan State plays Illinois on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, before we record again, and so that one is very important for the league standings. Uh, do do we have anything? Uh, what can? Or no? Is this the, no? This is not the first. They met at the very beginning of January. So, um, 
Right, right. And again, uh, MSU actually did. I thought MSU really uh, did a pretty good job of taking care of Illinois, but that was at home. So yeah, they they beat um, the piss out of them. But Kofi, I I can tell you, out of all the players individually that I can see are clearly affected by playing at home or on the road, Kofi Coburn is number one because that dude at home is just dunking on people, looking ferocious. And then I've watched him in a couple road games like Michigan, Purdue. Uh, Michigan State, and he is a literal non-factor. So I'm really intrigued about that matchup with Xavier Tillman, um, it, being that it's at Illinois this time. Yeah, it should be one of uh, should be a great game. To look forward to, but uh, yeah, can't look past Saturday yet. I'll be honest; I've not even begun to prep for uh, what my mental state is going to be for that game Tuesday against Illinois. You have no idea because if you're coming off a loss, that'll be three straight. And you're looking right. at desperation for the Big Ten title. If you're coming off exactly. a win, a chance to string together two road wins that could possibly regain a stranglehold on that race, you know? So it really yep. depends what happens Saturday for how we feel on uh, – how you guys feel on Tuesday. We're going to play Northwestern, so I'll be sad either way. Uh, but let's uh, move on to something else that makes me sad. Michigan, Michigan played Ohio State in hockey this weekend. And if you were not following along on my Twitter, I will let you know. Friday night, 3-2 win. Will Lockwood finally had his senior captain moment with a wraparound goal with three minutes left to go up 3-2 against a ranked Ohio State team. They would hold on to win that game. And then Saturday was the biggest shit show I've ever watched in a college hockey game. It really got you primed up for – the the basketball version you had to endure Tuesday, right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it was bad. Um, I so for those who don't know, Michigan had two five minute major penalties, which they both killed. But which they killed both, by the way. Ohio State has a very good power play. I am stunned that they didn't allow a goal on either of those two. But they still lost a. Four to one game in which they heavily outshot Ohio State, um, but at the same time, like I think after the first period, me and David Nasternak of MGo Blog were talking because I was like, "We're out shooting them fourteen to six, but this is by far the worst period they've played since the halfway point in 2020." Um, and he agreed with me, and it was because Ohio State had three odd man rushes in that first period and four out of their six shots were from the house. So, (laughs) and after that period, it was two zero Ohio state, Michigan crawled back into it where there was a time where they're down two zero. The whole scrum happens. I'll, I'll talk about the scrum after this, but I want to touch about this swing of the game. They were down two zero. The scrum happens. uh, And Lockwood gets tossed from the game as well as Beecher and or no Lockwood didn't I'm sorry but Beecher gets tossed from the game they Michigan takes a five minute power play or penalty and they kill it off and score within the next three minutes and for those of you who know hockey can just imagine it was a home game for Michigan Jeremy I know you didn't see it but you can imagine how Yost was after a five minute kill oh absolutely goal to make it one I thought that now there was uh there was a period break between the two five minutes, right? Or was it all in the same period? No, it was uh, 
So the second one did not, the whole five minutes didn't take place in the second period, but okay. uh, That's what it, I, thought. I thought there was an about three minutes carried over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was just, you know, when they were down two to one right after they scored that goal, but the way Yost was rocking and just the way the momentum held, I was sure Michigan was winning that game. And then, uh, they take another five minute penalty, which I still, I thought that one was bullshit too. Um, so they lose Garrett Van Wy for the game and yeah, they kill it off again, but that intermission really kind of took the air out of the arena, uh, having to be on a kill for five minutes, even though they killed it off, took the air out of the arena a little bit cause they couldn't mount any chances after. And then on Ohio state's fifth odd man rush of the game, Michigan hadn't been allowing any of these most of the, year, the second half of the year. They've been doing great, but on Ohio State's fifth odd man rush of the game, they went up 3-1 and then got an empty net to tack it on, win 4-1. Um, okay, I'm ready to talk about the scrum because so the game had been getting physical. It was 2-0. Michigan was trying to get back into it. You know how Will Lockwood is. He loves to throw his body around. So he hits an Ohio State player into his own bench. In return, Ohio State player, a different Ohio State player, feels like he has to intervene, cross-checks Lockwood into the bench, and then holds him there using the stick. Luckily, it wasn't a situation I remember happened in the Red Wings game last year where something similar happened and Bertuzzi just started throwing haymakers as he was sitting on the bench. No, none of the Ohio State players were touching Lockwood. But Johnny Beecher, freshman, very large young man, took exception to it and started just punching people. <laughs> so you will not hear me complain about Beecher getting thrown out of the game, and I'm not even going to complain about the suspension he has on Friday against Wisconsin itself. The fact of the matter is that the Ohio State player only got two minutes for cross-checking somebody into the bench and then holding him there as he was, like, continually shoving him. Um, just baffling to me, and the fact that the Big Ten could see all of that and still only give Johnny Beecher a suspension is absolutely asinine. And if this were basketball or football, the entire uh, internet of, like – Michigan Twitter would be just screaming about it because it's such a bad decision. Yeah, I know. It's definitely sounding like from the sounds of it. Um, I don't understand. Uh, to be honest, I don't even understand the ejection of Beecher in a way, but that kind of seems automatic. The suspension felt ridiculous. Uh, I think you should be more upset. Brandon, throw things. Be mad. I... Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to like measure myself because I'm on recording, and and like I yeah I admittedly if we would have been recording this uh, Saturday night after I had had a few bourbons and was watching it live, there we getting, go. You'd be getting a different me. Uh, I was very upset about it, but uh, yeah, I I don't I I'm at the stage of just being like, how the fuck are you that stupid? Like, how do you let this happen? A, it's Michigan-Ohio State, and as much as we downplay that rivalry in hockey compared to Michigan-Michigan State, because historically, obviously, it doesn't compare, 
uh, the last couple of years, it has been a very physical series. And uh, these teams do not like each other. These current group of kids don't. And then you put the names on the front of the sweaters. How does the Big Ten let this happen? How do they let how do the refs let it get out of hand like that? And then pull that shit. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they lost control pretty easily. Which is not fair for no. Michigan. Especially as the home team. You should be getting some of these calls, Brendan. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. Uh but Nonetheless, you know, a split with Ohio State isn't anything too shabby. Um, I wanted more than three points and wish they would have got them because now it sets up for this. I know I'm going out of order, I know, but let's just go straight into this Wisconsin series. Uh, They need all six now this weekend because I still think their goal is to surpass Notre Dame and get up to fifth and maybe even fight for that fourth spot. Um, so you need to grab all six points against Wisconsin at home this weekend. Oh, it's totally vital, totally vital, and especially because you're playing so much better. I know you guys are both near each other in the standings, but you are light years ahead of them as far as like the momentum and just how you're playing right now. You deserve better than uh, just three points last weekend. I think you've got to get the majority of the points if not a clean sweep. Yeah, and they need to, and that's going to be tough without probably their most talented scorer on Friday night. Um, but it, it needs to be done. It, but if you can keep Wisconsin off of the power play, um, I, I genuinely think that at home you should be able to get all all six points and hopefully not even need like the first overtime to get three points on either night because Wisconsin is not very good, and they've really showed it the last couple weeks. Um, you know, they, they did get that split against Michigan state, but you're at home. You hope to get more. And then they got their ass whooped against Minnesota last weekend. I think it was. So you you need all six points to try and that'll get you, that won't get you past Notre Dame, but it gets you within a point and you still have a home series against Notre Dame. So that's what needs to be done. Uh, but I mentioned Minnesota. They're pretty. They're on a pretty good roll here, sweeping Ohio State and Wisconsin, and that's where your your boys are going this weekend. Yeah, so they haven't lost uh, since the Friday night four-one defeat to MSU. So their last loss was to us. Uh, they won that Saturday night uh, in that series, and then, uh, like you said, back-to-back sweeps Ohio State and Wisconsin with. Technically a loss in the middle there, but that was to the National Team Development Program, uh, which also beat Michigan. So I guess they're on a little bit of a roll for the NDDP right now. But, um, yeah, they have been really solid. I think their biggest thing is they found, uh, you know, if you look at their goals against since that 4-1 to loss, they, you know, it's been 0-2-3-1-2-2. They definitely found some goaltending and found a way to shore up their defense a little bit. And uh, they are pushing to uh, get into that top two as well in the Big Ten and get, you know, uh, for sure wants to hold on to a home series for that first round because it looks like the uh, four or five matchup in the first round of the playoffs is going to be a real, real cut in like a real fine wire between the two teams. So um, huge weekend. Uh, it's always tough going to Mariucci with just the dimensions of the ice and, 
uh, and how much different the style is playing them on their big ice versus at home. So hopefully uh, they can come out of it with, uh, with more points than not. But I think they need to do something like they did last time they played Minnesota, which is jump out on them Friday night, secure the three points, and then go into Saturday where you're, you're okay with really any outcome at that point. Yeah, I think as long as Minnesota and Michigan State share the points at three, um, obviously the three favorites at this point are out of the five teams that are all within one point of each other are, I think it's Ohio State, Minnesota, and Michigan State that have all already had their bye. Is that correct? Uh, yes, yeah. So I think – So the, uh, those are the three right. favorites? Um. Which would mean, oh, wait, no, it appears it's just Michigan State and Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. So, so a huge weekend for us because this is the one of the teams that uh, we're not going to get games back in hand on. So, yeah, that um, makes it even. You know, if we can even just get four out of six, that's going to be huge. Yeah, this series is, uh, wow, that is crazy because this means that the two top teams, based on points per game and probably with the best shot to go win it, uh, have a series this weekend, Michigan State, Minnesota, and you'll be happy to know because the Big Ten cares so much about it. Um, both of these games will not be on Big Ten Network. Um, it looks like the Friday night game is on BTN Plus, and Saturday it looks like state fans will be able to watch it on if you have Fox Sports Detroit Plus, which is just the alternate channel. It looks like that'll cover it, but. Um, yeah, of course. It's uh, possibly the biggest series of the season for the Big Ten, and they don't have either of the games on their network. No, I'm sure there's a great like Penn State wrestling match they've got to show or something. You know, Brandon, bring in the fans. Yeah. <laughs> or got to get like some Rutgers stuff on, anything Rutgers. Uh, but, yeah, that's super frustrating. I cannot believe they wouldn't try and take advantage of that. But uh, – this is the same group that I was just yelling at about Johnny Beecher and uh, can't really do much competent. So we shouldn't be that surprised. Um, I'm going to go ahead and predict. I think Michigan state will take three points this weekend and I'm actually going to put faith in my boys. Uh, I'm going to say six points for Michigan. How, how, how say you? Uh, yeah, I will never uh, give Granado any points until he's fired so uh six for michigan uh and i'll take uh i'll take msu to get five i think we get a win and we lose in overtime or i'm sorry winning uh winning a shootout rather hell yeah you have confidence too and uh that that would be unbelievably huge probably you know five points compared to minnesota's one i'm not saying it would lock up the big 10 but it would uh definitely be a huge step forward for uh, creating a lead and kind of teaser for next week's episode. Um, if, if, if you're right and Michigan gets six points this weekend and Michigan state gets five makes it even bigger next week when they play their series. So um, that's all we have folks in terms of all of our serious topics. This was a big episode, eh? Uh, <laughs> but we made yeah, it through on the other side, still on. friends. We did. We did. Uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, lot of good content in July to catch up on all the things you feel like you just have to keep pushing off. Like, we still haven't even covered signing day, Brendan. Uh, so, 
right. yeah, but we just keep having, uh, you know, it's that's that's good though because we said we wanted to be more than just a basketball and football podcast. We actually kind of did this for hockey, so it's good that we're covering it all um, and a lot going on. There's a lot of important uh, important games to cover. Yes, sir, there is. Um, and it's only going to get more fun as we crank up into late February and March, uh, especially if MSU stays on this run and they're going to be looking for uh, an NCAA tournament spot. Uh, so it'll be lots of good stuff. And I don't mind um, all I hear from people who have similar podcasts, like schedules as us, is that off-season content is incredibly difficult to come up with. So I'm glad our schools have provided with uh, us with more than enough to push into late April through early August. So it, it should be a fun end of the year, but I also look forward to diving deep onto a new coach for MSU and signing day classes. And, you know, we'll do some fun stuff for favorite moments. So it, it's all exciting. Yeah, absolutely. A lot to watch this weekend and can't wait to dive into it uh, next week. Yep. Um, man, this is pretty uh, – us going this long is pretty against our brand, huh? <laughs> uh, 